Am I saying it wrong? You said I... I'm a fan favorite. Oh, did I? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my self-centeredness really does spurt through. Even when I don't... Boy, talk about unconscious. We had a great guest today. She really loves me. <laughs> David. Hey, Amy. How are you? <laughs> Good. I want to answer a question for you. And the question which you, you may... You don't even know the question. <laughs> you may not have ever even asked this question, but I'm going to answer it. You're putting a question in my mouth, so therefore you can answer it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. That's what you would call a very leading question. <laughs> the question is, and I'm sure when I say it, you'll realize that you've always wondered this. Can mm-hmm. you make a decent American chili... Mm-hmm. When you don't have a can of proper tomatoes, all you have is a can of pizza sauce. And I'm here to tell you the answer is yes. (laughs) First, I want to say that, honestly, on my bucket list is that question. (laughs) Can you make a proper American chili? My gosh, please, I can cross it off. And all that's left is to go to India. And then I'm done. So last night I I had plans. I bought buttermilk to make my cornbread, which I love. Everybody in my family loves it. I'm like getting ready. I'm sweating my aromatics and I go to the pantry and realize I don't have a can of tomatoes. All I have is pizza sauce. (laughs) (laughs) So so what I did is I, I, I caramelized some tomato paste, which I did have. I threw in the pizza sauce and then I went out to my garden and I had like 15 little surviving cherry tomatoes of varying degrees of ripeness. Some were green, some were orange, some were red. Threw those in and then I realized I had some chorizo from the farm share, which is very good. So I browned that in a separate pan, threw that in. I had did have a can of pinto beans, threw that in. And then I realized I had some um, fresh corn. I had a couple of ears of corn that I hadn't grilled. So I threw that in and some spices, and it actually was delicious with the pizza sauce in it. <laughs> Oh, and beer. I put beer in it too. Beer. Yeah. Jesus. Well, wow, that was cleaning out the pantry, wasn't yeah. it? When you put this together with your Rosh Hashanah dinner, uh-huh. I realized that you are an assembler more than you are a cooker. A cook? Well. Look what happened on your Rosh Hashanah. You know, your Rosh Hashanah dinner, you had chicken from. I used rotisserie roast. chicken that I bought. I mean, if it hadn't been the pizza sauce, it would have been like a can of chopped that, tomatoes. That's true. That's so it was true. just replacing that. And I mm-hmm. browned the chorizo in a separate pan. So we had the nice caramelization and I made my mm-hmm. homemade cornbread. So I feel righteous about this meal, actually. You can't well, shame well, me. Well, you can't I'm, shame I'm, me, I, David. I, I can't food shame you. All right. Well, <laughs> what did you, know, you make? Are... What did you make this week, David? <laughs> You know, that's not fair because, you know, I went to my mother's house and it's just all prepared foods there because my mom doesn't cook anymore right. and she doesn't want anybody cooking in the house. So oh, okay. I just had tuna fish sandwiches and turkey sandwiches, <laughs> which, you know, as the one said, I do love sandwiches. I had Cherise sandwiches, Portuguese Cherise sandwiches. Mm. I had frozen dinners and I had Blue Bunny loaded ice cream bars. Okay. So who's the assembler in this equation? This was because I was at an elderly woman's home who doesn't cook. <laughs> I was respecting that. Right, 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 right. Yes. I was respecting this. I've been gone the entire you time. You were adapting but, to the culture in which you found yourself. Yes. But you know, what happens when your mom stops cooking? 
Yeah, it's you know? it's really sad, yes. It's something that I have been contemplating and I was very mm-hmm. sad sitting on the bed in my bedroom at home, uh, my, my mom's house, thinking about that. She doesn't cook anymore mm-hmm. and the whole chunk of our life is now gone, mm-hmm. what we identify with. But anyway. All the more reason to return to Eric yes. Kim's directive that we all need to be preserving yes. family recipes. Absolutely, and that's yeah. you know what I did. It's how my whole career started was videotaping her cooking. Yeah. So at least I do have that. Talking about families, though, and cooking and and moms cooking, we have a very interesting guest today, a guest whom I adore. I have been a fan favorite of hers forever. Oh, so you've been one of her favorite fans? Have you been one of her favorite fans? I've been one of her favorite fans, yes. (laughs) Am I saying it wrong? You said I'm a fan favorite. Oh, did I? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) My self-centeredness really does spurt through. Boy, talk about unconscious. We had a great guest today. She really loves me. (laughs) I really was her favorite. No, but we love her and she liked us at least. She definitely seemed to like us. And who we had was Chaitna Mockin, who was the fan favorite and my fan favorite on season five of The Great British Mm -hmm. Bake Off. And she made it all the way to week nine, semifinals. And it was the patisserie week that did her in, that done her in. Mm -hmm. But she's lovely, she's kind, has a lot to say about Indian cuisine, has a lot to say about Mexican week. Mm-hmm. That just happened. We got to get this into past that weekend. And she has gone on to tremendous success. Talk about using the platform to really build a career. She has done six she cookbooks. Did. She's got an incredible YouTube channel, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Yep. You should all check it out. Welcome to the show, Chaitna. Welcome, Chaitna. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. Mm. So although we want to focus on life after the Great British Bake Off, of course, we would be remiss, and I know our listeners would be very angry at us, if we didn't at least mention your time on the show. So can we talk a little bit about the show? Absolutely. Okay, well, I guess first I want to know, how did you decide to apply? Can you give us the quick version of that story? Basically, I love baking and I've got a sweet tooth and I love eating cakes. And once I had the kids, I started kind of baking their birthday cakes and I started going to coffee mornings with other mums and always started taking a cake. And that's when the show actually just started. And so Mm -hmm. me with other mums started watching it and we would discuss at the school drop, like, you know, oh, did you think the right person left and la la la. And then (laughs) when the fourth season just finished, my friends said, why don't you apply? And I thought, I can only make cake. It's not like a baking expert, but I've always believed that you have to give it a go. It's either going to happen or not, but you wouldn't know if you don't apply. So I just thought, you know what, it's not never going to happen. I'll just apply. And that's it. I applied and literally two weeks later, I got the phone call and then the whole process started. Wow. And what was the process like? Did you have to go see them and bake for them in person? Yes, it was actually quite a long process. So the first was the phone interview and then they shortlisted some people. And the second was that you went into kind of like um, they picked up places for different places around the country and you had to take one sweet bake and one savory bake. Uh I remember I took lemon meringue pie Mm -hmm. and I took naan for the savory. Mm -hmm. So they would taste it, ask you how you would make. And then we had like an on-camera interview to see how we did on camera. 
Right. Then there was the second round of cull, and then uh, we went to the next stage, which was kind of uh, baking, like you would bake in the Bake Off technical. So there mm. were, I think, 15, 20 of us in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. We made a carrot cake by Mary Berry, and they mm. gave us a recipe and said bake, and they filmed all of us baking it, okay. wow. how we were chatting to others and everything. And then we had another process of oh another my. interview. And then, yeah, so it was, I think, four steps to actually getting into the makeup. It was a long... <laughs> so longer than the show. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, so, okay, so I'm curious. Let's say you do well as you did on season five of the show. How long are you actually there? Like, how does the filming work logistically? It is actually exactly the number of weeks. So it's, I think, a 10-week program on TV. Mm-hmm. It took us around nine to 10 weeks to film it because they tried to film it on weekends, but it wasn't always on weekends because of, obviously, the schedule of Mary and Paul and Mel and Sue. So we had to fit around them. But they tried to keep it weekends because a lot of people were doing full-time jobs. So they couldn't take like 10 weeks off. Mm. Now, were you still a fashion designer when you started the show? No. So I stopped uh, working as a fashion designer when I moved to the country because Mm -hmm. uh, I live in a small town and I did manage to get a job, but it was uh, like five hour travel every day and I Mm. just couldn't face it at the time. But yeah, so I wasn't actually. And I did work in something else and... Then I took maternity leave and I really didn't enjoy that job at all. So I told myself I'm not going to go back because Mm -hmm. it wasn't a job for me. And I'm always curious when the bakers walk into the tent for the very first time, is that the first time you're walking in for real? It is absolutely. That's the beauty of the show. Everything is real. So we didn't even get to see the tent beforehand. So we Mm -hmm. got together the evening before. And that's when we all met each other, bakers, for the first Mm. time. So we went into the room and uh, kind of, oh, oh, there's a young girl. Oh, there's an older lady. (laughs) It's just amazing. And then we had a chat and everything. And then early start, very, very long days, kind of start at Mm -hmm. seven. And then in like a couple of weeks time, it felt like we were kind of family, which we still are so close. Yeah. I always imagine that all the bakers spend the whole weekend in that big castle there, but you don't, do you? (laughs) Do you? Are you put up in that big castle? No, 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 no. we're not, actually. (laughs) Nobody is. (laughs) Even Paul and Mary aren't. (laughs) No, they don't. They don't. Nobody stays there. Yeah, but we spend all the hours together. So after the filming is done, Mm. we go back to Mm. the hotel and then Mm -hmm. we are again with the bakers. So our bakers are together, we have dinner together and then we discuss the whole day and then just a few hours of rest and it's back to Mm. the tent. So we are kind of with each other for an intense long time. Mm -hmm. And are you practicing during the week between shoots? Yes, that's the whole idea. I think they said that, you know, you can practice. And it was actually a mixed bag because some of the bakers practiced every day, practiced five, six times, but I work differently. So if I make a thing more than once, then I lose kind of interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of... Uh, and also I had two young kids, so I yeah. couldn't like just, yeah. kind of, you know, just keep baking the whole time. And I, yeah, it just for me doesn't work. I did practice it once, but that's about it. And I do the same thing even now when I'm cooking and kind of recipe testing. I'll try it once, you know, and if I have to get it perfect, that's my main aim. And once mm-hmm. it's perfect, I don't want to keep making you it. You move on. And I, 
just kind of move on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think made your bakes stand out on the show? Yeah. I think it was quite obvious that I had kind of my Indian influence in there because going in, I like I mentioned earlier, I am not mm-hmm. a kind of technical baker and I'm not a very precise baker either where I don't want kind of fiddly little bits. I want them very home-cooked feel to it. I still do uh, mm-hmm. bake like that. I thought, oh my God, what can I add to this? I don't know. It's not my expertise. So I thought, oh my God, if I add this spice and this, and that's how I came up with the recipes for Mm -hmm. the whole show. And I think that was what made my bake stand out, definitely. Hmm. Because you became a fan favorite very early on. One of my fan favorites. You were. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. Yeah, I think people found that it was something new. And I I think mm-hmm. everybody knows Indian food, not like the actual mm-hmm. Indian food, but everyone loves Indian takeaways. Mm-hmm. So they know mm-hmm. what spices, basic spices I was talking about. So it was not completely new stuff. So I think everyone right. was quite surprised to see those two kind of flavor combinations coming together. And I think that you opened the door for a lot of people later who were doing unusual combinations. Also, speaking about the Great British Bake Off, we had Paul Hollywood on the show not too long ago, and he was, surprisingly to Amy and I, a really nice guy. But was it intimidating? <laughs> Let's just note that Jaina made a, a face that was sort of like, really? <laughs> Sorry. He was really nice to us, Chaitna. No, no, he's lovely. Was it intimidating with him stalking like a panther all around that room? I think it was. I think it was just not him. I think the whole idea of having cameras on you. Yeah. And you might think that actually you're baking because the cameras might leave you and you're kind of just focusing on your bake. And then you look up and then literally there's somebody in your face with the camera. Mm -hmm. And it took us a couple of weeks, all of us, to kind of get used to the fact that there is somebody. And I think that they kind of sensed if something was going to go wrong. So Mm. if something was going to go wrong or something was going to be fantastic, with somebody, they would just send the camera and Mel and Sue with them uh, mm-hmm. because they knew okay. that there's worth capturing. Right. I don't think Paul and Mary kind of walked around a lot. Mm-hmm. They, mm. they might come for like five minutes to walk around the whole tent, but that was it. They weren't there the oh, whole really? time. Oh, really? Because yeah. they edit it like he's just staring at you from the corner. <laughs> but he did say yeah, that yeah. he spends a lot of time in a hammock while everyone else. Oh yes, he is did say that. He did the, say he was in a hammock a lot of this show. <laughs> so of course we can't talk about the Bake Off without going into the debacle that was Mexico Week this season. Oh, yeah. You know, and they did get some criticism last year for Japan Week, which came off as a bit tone deaf. But this was really trafficking yeah. and some. Silly stereotypes. How did you feel about that? The first thing, they dressed up and kind of immediately started making fun of it. That just killed it for me. Like, yes. I understand mm-hmm. they got criticism for last year's Japan Week. Mm-hmm. And actually, they have yeah. done this before. So I just don't understand in this day and age mm-hmm. when you can just get some experts in and yes. just be a bit more sensitive. What is wrong with people? Just be <laughs> a bit more know. sensitive about other people's culture and other people's food culture. And just because Paul went on a holiday to Mexico, 
lexical doesn't mm-hmm. make him an expert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it Not just is so infuriating. And I think everyone, at least my Twitter feed and my phone was telling me that mm-hmm. everyone else watching the program was feeling the same because mm-hmm. it's unacceptable. <laughs> it just, it boggles me that I can't understand why they can't put in more thought into the whole process. Yes. I, I think you're right about that. And it really rankled a lot of Americans because of course we share a border with Mexico. Mexican food, we know probably better than Britain. And Absolutely. so a lot of people were really kind of ticked off. Amy, you brought to my attention, you were really not happy with that. Yeah. You can't fault a contestant with, you know, not being intimately familiar with Mexican food because it isn't as popular in England as it is here. But just the basic attitude of respect and humility, humility. Oh, I'd love to learn about this noble cuisine with many regions and centuries of history. <laughs> we had Patty Hinich, who is a Mexican chef on the show. And what we learned was astounding about how varied and how rich and There's a lot of things that are unique to each region. And even right up front, both of the presenters, they're wearing sombreros and they're telling really bad flat-footed Mexican jokes. Mm -hmm. It was really tasteless to us. So I'm glad that you feel that way. You know, can you just please call up Paul and say, get an expert (laughs) next time? I have to disagree here because I don't think it's Paul's problem and it's Paul's responsibility. It is not. It's the responsibility Mm -hmm. of the production company. Of the producers. Paul is just a judge there. Yeah. In today's day and age, I think there is no harm in accepting the world is so big. There's so many types of cuisines in the world. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I can't even say that I know Indian food because there's so much variety. It'll take more than a lifetime to just discover Indian food and talk about it. So just there's nothing wrong in saying, I don't know. Yes, yes. And I'm not an expert. Exactly. You know, this is what we have to learn and move forward, just giving each other respect and just not coming across as someone who knows absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the platform of the show is so big, it's an opportunity to teach. Exactly. And actually, this is the opportunity to make the viewers respect the cuisine of other countries. Yes. Not actually Mm -hmm. make fun of it. Yes. You should be doing the totally opposite. Yes. 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 If if programs like this, which have millions of viewers across the world, start making fun of people's costumes and food and language and what you expect from the masses, you know, there's so much to learn, seriously. How would you describe the trajectory of your life having changed since the show? Mm hmm. Well, completely changed, I would say. Where I didn't know what I was going to do, I honestly didn't have time to think where I'm going to go. I think I would have started thinking maybe a couple more years later when the kids were actually in school and I had a bit more time. But yeah, uh, not having any family around, I think it was a bit... My hands were full, my mind was foggy. So I don't know what would have happened. But Mm -hmm. this gave me a direction and I can't say a clear path because nothing has been kind of straightforward Mm -hmm. and easy. It has been a lot of hard work. It's not like I came out of the show and publishers were queuing outside and saying, you know. And it wasn't like, Mm -hmm. I think we were the BBC times where we weren't allowed to work with brands for a year. So there were very Mm. strict rules around it none Mm -hmm. of which exists now, but at that time it was quite strict. I'm very grateful to the show, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm kind of still a very big fan of the show. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm very thankful for it, for giving me the platform 
to mm-hmm. at least yes. show my talent and then whatever came afterwards was my hard work but it gave me a start and a kind of a push into one direction. Mm. You said that publishers weren't waiting there with contracts when you got out. I just assumed because you went until the ninth week, wasn't it? Yes, yes, the semi-final, yeah. I just assumed that basically when you guys walk out of the tent, there's a contract mm-hmm. saying we wanted. So did you have to present a cookbook idea to publishers? Yes, so we had to, I had to prepare a proper kind of book proposal, proposal which was a few pages long mm-hmm. with a kind of mm-hmm. everything in it, very neatly and broken up with chapters and mm-hmm. recipe ideas with some recipes in it as well. And yeah. it took us quite a few months of meetings with the publishers mm-hmm. to finally find someone who offered me a book uh, deal and I kind of really liked them. So, and obviously I'm still here with the same mm-hmm. publishers after all these years. That's interesting. Amy, did you know that or did you assume also like me that these guys just get off the show and the next thing they know they're doing book tours and cookbooks and TV shows? Did you think that? Yeah, I assume that there might be talent scouts who watch the show and they sort of, yeah, yeah they've got you on speed dial when you're done. Get me Jade and Megan right now. <laughs> no. I want her. I think things have changed though so much in the eight years where I didn't have Instagram till I went into the show and now people have got mm. things prepared in the background, like they have their websites ready, mm. some of them. I'm not saying every single one of them, right. but people who are going into it, kind of starting something career-wise, they have done a lot of background work beforehand, whereas we were just like, all of us, not just me, all of us in that in our year, just went in for the love of baking. Mm -hmm. None of us, and we've discussed this so many times in the group among ourselves where none of us went in um, to do or get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wanted this uh, TV career or books or we just went there because we loved baking and feeding and that's mm-hmm. that's it really whatever happened was just a bonus but i very very clearly remember absolutely not thinking about what next that wasn't even the point of the show and yet nevertheless since 2014 you have put out six cookbooks which is yes. so impressive it's very prodigious. i put out one in i think 12 <laughs> I know, years i put out one in a new edition <laughs> of the same one um <laughs> Do you yeah. do you enjoy writing the books? What are your favorite parts of the process, your least favorite parts? I love writing books. And obviously, I didn't know I love writing books till I started writing one. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. the first one, obviously, was the hardest because it was baking a subject I didn't know inside out, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I didn't know... That was know. the cardamom trail, right? Yes, yes, uh, yes, the cardamom trail. And I think also I didn't know how to properly recipe write in the sense, and I wanted to make sure. And since then, till now, I, uh, that's my one aim where I think if somebody is reading my recipe and decides to bake or cook from it, mm-hmm. they've bought all the ingredients, they're excited, and they start cooking or baking. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, that is my that is where I failed. I have never, ever had a complaint where anybody said that your recipe hasn't worked, whether I submitted mm. to magazines or newspapers or books. Marvelous. Make sure, that is one thing I want to make sure that it works every single time because mm-hmm. I would hate it if I picked up a book and made 
you know, bought all this stuff and tried to cook something and then in the end I couldn't eat it. That would be terrible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, um, I really enjoy writing the books, which is why I'm continuing to doing that. But I think also I'm quite grateful that people are buying the books because if no publisher is uh, crazy to give you book deal after book deal if you weren't selling. Yes, <laughs> <Right. laughs> I, I, I agree. Love, you know, nobody does it for love. Um, <laughs> they do <laughs> not. But you know, you talk about people making your recipes and you want it to work. Every recipe, and this I have to say is a little unusual, every recipe that we have requested from your publisher, from all of your books that we have, and we have eight recipes, each one passed perfectly. Wow. Each one. Thank you so much. And we have up to 200, 210, 250 recipe testers and all of them passed. Yeah. Wow. Them. See, that's what I like to hear. I love the non bread with cheese and chilies and the cilantro peanut chutney. Mm. Those are two of my favorites. I love them. And wow. the most recent one was the masala focaccia yes. and fantastic. Mm. Just people love it. So congratulations because that is a big feather in your cap, Jaina, that they do work. And now I do want to talk mm. about your latest book, which is Jaina's Easy Baking with a Twist of Spice. Mm. Tell us a bit about it and what you set out to achieve and, and how you came about the idea of creating it. So actually, this was when we were shooting the book number five. I think it was close to finishing the shoot and me and my editor were having a chat and I said, oh, I love doing these books, but I'm really missing baking again. And maybe we could work on something baking next. Mm. And, you know, obviously it, uh, we have to see how the book does before we move on to the next one mm -hmm. and I think she must have kind of uh, kept it somewhere in her mind because uh, when she did come back to me later on with a new book proposal she said let's do a baking one and I said oh yes I've missed it so much. Mm -hmm. Lockdown taught us that we kind of all can bake and cook if we put our minds to it but sometimes the baking recipes can be a little bit complicated for the people who don't do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And even like kids or students or, uh, yeah, someone who hasn't done it before. So I wanted to keep the concept to be simple and easy. And that's how the easy came about. Obviously, being my book, I had to have a twist of spice because I think right. um, it's not like there is masala in every single recipe right. or it's just mm -hmm. a little fresh take on mm -hmm. some traditional recipes and some new recipes. But at the same time, I just wanted a book which is not just full of cakes because as much as I like cakes, mm -hmm. uh, say for example in my house, my husband would rather have something savory. So I wanted it really balanced. So I've tried to give each um, kind of a recipe idea a little bit of space. So like there's enough savory recipes in there, there's enough cakes, there mm -hmm. is enough snacking, there's vegan, which is why it took a bit more time to get the division right. I just wanted to be fair to every chapter and wow. do good to each chapter. So yeah, that's how the book came about. It's a, a lovely book and it has that Chaitna feel to it. You know, the cover, they, they all have this wonderful similarity to them. And you feel as if you are falling into a world mm. that someone loves and someone has invited you into. It's not this very sort of peripatetic collection where it's this and then it's that, it's this. It's very much of your soul and of you mm -hmm. and welcoming us into that. 
Some of the the real greats have that. Like Julia Child always was inviting you in. Uh, Marcella mm-hmm. Hazan was always inviting you in. They stayed true to who they were. And I think that's what's nice about that collection of books. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Talking about spice. Now, Indian cuisine is beloved in the UK. When we were there, my God, we had so much Indian cuisine. It was marvelous. And it's deeply woven into the culture there. Now, not as much here in the US. How has being on the show kind of changed people's perception and ideas of Indian food, or maybe it hasn't? Oh, there has been a a big change in Mm. the perception of Indian food over the last few Mm -hmm. years. And obviously, I'm trying in my little small way. But I think there has been a bigger change in terms of restaurants and what is there on offer right now. Because obviously, as you might know, we had lots of curry houses and you won't believe, mm-hmm. but there is still no Indian restaurant where I live. And I'm not wow. making it up. You can come here and have a look. There is no Indian restaurant here. Mm-hmm. They used to be in the town next to us, but that also closed last year. But there is no Indian food available. There are curry houses here, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't class them as kind of Indian restaurants. But if you go to somewhere like London, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Right. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. The, They've started opening restaurants which serve regional Indian food, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And there's so much experimentation going on. And there are restaurants that are keeping it all very real, proper Indian food. There's Indian street food. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, vegetarian, there's vegan. I I just love it. I think Mm. they are contributing in their way to the Indian food scene and educating people. And I think I have with my books, that's how I can do it. And my YouTube channel, trying to educate and Mm -hmm. tell them how varied Indian food is. I'm not going into regional food, which I haven't done it either in the books or in the YouTube channel because Mm -hmm. I think I'm, again, I don't want to talk about it until unless I know it inside Mm -hmm. out. So I talk about food I've grown up with, the North Indian food because I'm Mm -hmm. Punjabi. I know that if I am talking about something and if someone has a question for me, I should be able to answer it I should know Mm -hmm. it inside out. But Mm -hmm. yeah, just to kind of educate them, to tell them that we do eat healthy food. That's how the healthy Indian books Mm -hmm. came about. Like to tell them that treat food is more than just samosa and pani puri, which Mm -hmm. everyone knows about. But there were so many recipes and I only covered four cities. So I didn't even go to the other places. And in the four cities, Mm -hmm. I still had to pick and choose my favorite uh, recipes to add in the book. So I think it's just if people follow my recipes, they know that there is more to Indian food than just adding garam masala to everything. Yeah, absolutely. So you grew up in Jabalpur. Tell me a little bit about the the cuisine there and, and what you remember from your childhood. We ate a lot of uh, Punjabi food, being Mm -hmm. the Punjabi family, even growing up in central India. And obviously all my relatives used to just make Punjabi food. But it was such a mix of cultures where in the town we lived. Where my parents live, one side there is a lady who's from Maharashtra, the other one is from Gujarat, the other one is from Mm. kind of somewhere else in Rajasthan. So Mm. nobody's moved, including my parents. Mm. That's where they've lived all their lives. 
and it was amazing because uh, there was such a culture of sharing food so if mm. say my mom has made something which yes. is very typical punjabi rajma mm-hmm. which is the red kidney bean curry or chole mm-hmm. which is chickpea curry if she's made something like that she will make extra and then she'll send a little box to mm. the neighbors oh that's so sweet i know it's mm-hmm. it still happens it's amazing and if my the maharashtrian lady made some puran poli which is the sweet maharashtrian yeah. flatbread um she would send some over so it's mm-hmm. it's that culture of sharing food wow. just for the love of it because you know that the other person doesn't make it it's not from wow. their c- mm-hmm. culture and mm-hmm. uh, you make it better than them mm-hmm. and they love it so you share with them uh, is your husband punjabi no he's not actually he he is from a different part of north india and their food is is a bit slightly different very vegetarian they are fully vegetarian he's mm-hmm. a, he's from a vegetarian family uh, whereas we ate fish and meat uh, chicken mm. actually growing yeah. up we ate meat as well so what's next for you i mean you're obviously promoting the new book but are you percolating yeah. ideas for the next book if a show approached you that wasn't yours would you even want to do it never say never mm-hmm. i think when i came out and after i'd done a couple of books i was interested in doing tv and i think that would have been quite nice because i have some ideas but that's the thing i never went out and approached anyone so obviously things are not just going to fall on my lap so i've never gone out and tried to see where it can lead uh, me but i think because i had the youtube and i still have the youtube i right. feel like i'm not nobody stopping me if i want to share something yes. i can just turn record on my phone and I just do it. So yes. that has been really helpful and satisfies my creativity in a major way. Yeah. And I love because there is a small community growing there as well. So it's kind of the people who follow me and they're from around the world which I love because uh, they'll say oh they are on the mountain in France or they're somewhere in you know in a village somewhere in yeah. whereas I think Instagram is also similar in that sense that people follow from everywhere but mm-hmm. YouTube is just another level of opening mm-hmm. the world uh, through a small screen. Wow. And you own Lovely. it, which I think is the future of owning your own intellectual property. It's important. And when you're as beloved as you are and you have a platform like you do, you know, why would you hand that over to someone else? Yeah, and I love the freedom of doing whatever. <laughs> I could be in my pajamas like yesterday I shot in a really dirty hoodie which actually I posted today so let's see if anybody notices all the dirt on my hoodie but that's it I could just be um filming any time of the day in you know however I like yes but wouldn't it be fun Amy if the great british bake off took Chaitna and a couple of other people from the past and make them guest judges. I love that. I would of course watch Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be a nice yes, idea? Because, you know, you're so watchable and I would love to see a contestant bring a contestant's perspective to the judging. Yeah. yeah. A colleague's perspective because yeah. they've both been in that same seat yeah. of being judged. I think that could be I'm going to talk to Paul. <laughs> I'm going to give <laughs> now, Paul a call. Now that you guys are buddies. And- <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go talk to Paul. You're going to talk to Paul about taking his job. So yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul, I really want you to take a few weeks off. Let Chaitna do it instead. <laughs> He's going to love that one. <laughs> so Chaitna, are you ready for our world famous, feared by foodies everywhere, Chop Chop Round? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're goofy. Okay. What is your go-to meal to make when you're dead tired? Dal rice. Mm. What is the best time-saving trick in the kitchen? 
plan your meals. If you know you're mm-hmm. going to make uh, fried rice tomorrow, dal day after, noodles third day, then you'll have the ingredients at home. So shop for the yes. whole week, have a rough idea, and then you can change the noodles to Wednesday instead of Friday and uh, rice to Thursday if you like. But at least you've got ingredients for the whole thing. It'll save you money. It'll save you time, 100%. Your favorite food TV show or movie? I love movies. And the one movie related to food that just sticks out is Lunchbox. Have you heard of it? Oh, no, I don't know it. It's a movie called Lunchbox. And if you haven't watched it, please do. Okay, I'm going to make a note of it right now. What is your most beaten up cookbook? Actually, uh, Cardamom Trail is literally falling apart right now. That's lovely. Wow. Okay, how about your greatest faux pas in the kitchen? Um, once I made a dessert and didn't add any sugar at all uh, and I served <laughs> it and the, actually the thing was that my guests, my friends ate it till I started eating and I realized that, oh, it's got no sugar. You know, it's pudding without sugar. Can you imagine? Just nothing. So yeah, that was a quite a funny instant. Do you know what Paul's was? His biggest faux pas? Do you remember what it was, Amy? No, I don't. I'm trying to remember. He made like a thousand rolls. And he put salt in instead of oh, sugar. Oh, right, 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 yes. Remember that? Yeah. And he said not one person complained. <laughs> and it was, he put salt instead of sugar. Ew, <laughs> yes. I know. What is the last best thing you ate? Ooh, a delicious chicken focaccia sandwich in a cafe called Fort's Cafe where mm. I live. Korean chicken focaccia sandwich. Korean chicken focaccia sandwich. Wow. Talk about fusion cuisine. I love that. Okay. How about the most underrated and overrated Indian dishes, at least in Punjab cuisine? Mm. I think underrated a Punjabi dish is a curry chawal, which is a yogurt curry made with yogurt Mm -hmm. and gram flour. And then you add Mm -hmm. onion pakoras to it. And I have shared the recipe online and in books, but I think Mm -hmm. it's not as popular as like chickpea curry, which Mm -hmm. is so unusual and so delicious. Mm. And I don't think people (laughs) give it, it's deserved (laughs) love and respect. Right, right. (laughs) And overrated? It can be any Indian dish you think is overrated. The Peshwari naan, I think just is so overrated. I don't know. It's all right to have it once in a while, but it's mm-hmm. so popular mm-hmm. in Indian takeaways and Indian curry houses. And mm-hmm. I just don't understand the <laughs> the love uh, for it. It's just, yeah. I like it, but not uh, as much as it's kind of loved by everyone else. Well, you are loved by everyone else, Jaina. And everyone. it's just such a pleasure to talk to you. I think, you know, there's the, a term in television where it's called a Q score, which is just how people react to you, how appealing you are. And I remember from watching you that fifth season, you have a very high Q score and just delightful. And that you're authentic. That's. That is the thing, you know, we're very blessed. Our guests have been very mm-hmm. authentic and real and warm and kind and thoughtful and engage in very meaningful conversations mm-hmm. with us. And you're right there. That's because you are good hosts. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> well, you need you. a good host. To, but that is so true. If you If you are talking to someone, I could be the most interesting person. But if you're not asking the right questions, it's not going to mm-hmm. go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good point, yeah. yeah. Well, you are a great guest and we hope to have you on again soon. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, guys. It has been so much fun. And um, yeah, I could be chatting to you for much longer if I could. (laughs) Oh, thank you. 
Chaitanya Makan was born in central India. She has a degree in fashion and worked in Mumbai as a fashion designer before moving to the UK in 2003. Jaina reached the semifinals of the Great British Bake Off show in 2014, and her latest book, Chaitanya's Easy Baking with a Twist of Spice, is a celebration of baking with Indian flavors. You can find Chaitanya on her YouTube channel, Food with Chaitanya, as well as on Instagram at Chaitanya Makan. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the piquant Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. Remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And as always, if you like what you hear and want to support us, leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Please, please leave us a rating. (laughs) Ciao. Bye, David. You can find Chait. You can find Chaitner on her YouTube. You can find Chaitner on her YouTube channel. Oh my God! Hugh, <laughs> even when I don't. Hugh, <laughs> 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 Hugh.